Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good morning to everybody. What a privilege it is to be a part of God's people, no matter where we are, no matter where we've been located. I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, the church has left the building. (laughs) So much truth to that. So honored that you have joined us. We welcome you by live stream or by way of the web. I uh, I feel so grateful today. I really do. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, the song says, and all that is done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Why don't from your home right now shout Hallelujah? Come on, do it right now, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, do you feel like God's been good to you? If you're watching today, let me remind you that you've got clothes on your body. You've got food still in the cupboards, food on your table. I've got health in my body. My family's okay. I'm in my right mind. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. I wish somebody would join me right now and shout, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. If it hadn't been for the Lord on my side, Oh, where would I be? If it wasn't for the Lord, the song says, where would I be? My life was nothing until he set me free. I just want to say to God right now, it's been in my spirit for the last 24 hours. I just want to say, Lord, you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, God, you provided me with food, clothes on my body. You've given me a home to live in, a shelter over my head. Thank you, Lord, for financially providing for us right now. God, we're still okay. Everything is still all right. I thank you, Lord, for your hand of blessing over our nation. God, I thank you. Somebody lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think right now from your home, you ought to clap your hands and praise him. Come on, it's all right. Clap your hands and say, thank you, Lord. You've been so good to me. I've been washed in his blood. I've been filled with his spirit. I've got my name on the roll. If the trumpet sounds today, I'm going to make it home. I'm so glad I've been saved, blood-bought, spirit-filled. Amen, Jesus' name, baptized. It's okay to get a little bit happy because I've got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Oh, somebody shout amen. Praise God. I feel like having church. I read. This is not my text, but I just want to come out of the gate, if you will, on this Sunday morning and tell you of a promise. Hebrews 10, verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It said said we shouldn't forsake that. We've preached that for so many years as that we need to be in the house of God. We need to be in fellowship with one another. We need to be together. We need to worship together. We need to pray together. We've used this verse as a precedent. 
that said we must be together. I realize right now we're not together in fellowship. We have social distancing, absolutely social, and I'm in agreement with that. But listen, it is a commandment. He said, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as what? It says so much the more as you see the day or the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord approaching. When we get closer to the coming of the Lord, it says that we should assemble ourselves together more often. Right now in 41 years, this is the least amount of church that I've ever been a part of in the sense of gathering together. I'm telling you, I don't like it. I wish we could be together more, and I believe you agree with that. I believe when we open these doors, we're going to have to have multiple services for here on out. Can I get an amen? We might have to have two or three morning services to accommodate the crowd because people are going to be saying, Oh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I believe the unfaithful people will become faithful. I'm believing that. But let me say to you right now that he said that the closer you get or as you see the hour approaching, you should do it more. You know what that tells me like I've never seen this is we are going to be back together because as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, I really believe that we will be gathered again. I want you to look in your home and tell somebody, I would tell you here, elbow your neighbor now, if you've got social distancing coming on because you've got neighbors over, maybe just wave at them and tell them right now, we're going to assemble again. We've got a promise from God that we will be back in the house of the Lord worshiping again. I'm so excited about that. We will be gathered in the house of God praising his name again. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. My text comes today from 1 Peter. Excuse me, 2 Peter. The Bible tells us in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. It says in verse 9, this is my text. It says, the Lord, go ahead and get your Bibles out. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. What is it saying? He will keep his promise. But his long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all, everybody say all, all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. I would ask you again today, are you ready for this day wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness somebody say amen 
Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent. Be diligent, why? That ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. I like to preach from this portion of Scripture. We're going to go back and read the first part of chapter 3 here. But I'd like to preach to you for a few moments on simply what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Would you lift your hands in your home? The Bible says lift your heart with your hands. Begin to ask God, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your divine word, the word of God. Lord, that leads us and directs us through every day, every moment, every circumstance. We pray today that God, you would anoint your word, anoint my mouth to preach, anoint the hearing of the ear, that those that are watching today by way of the web would be stirred, Lord, and uplifted as this sermon is intended. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Again, would you say amen. God bless you today as we dive into the word of the Lord. What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Over the years, I have, in 41 years of living, I have come to understand many different viewpoints about being saved. I remember my, my geometry teacher. She said, well, there's no true interpretation of Scripture. She told me this, and I believe I was a sophomore in high school. And she said, there's no true interpretation of Scripture because you can interpret Scripture any way that you individually see that. If that's the case, then Scripture is not truth. I want you to know that God has the truth. The Scripture tells us that let God be true and every man a liar. What she was trying to say is, how you view being saved might be different than how someone else views being saved. And it's okay because salvation is relative. I want you to know that salvation is not relative. Salvation is based upon the truth of God's word. It is a directive from God's holy word that he's put on this earth for us to follow. What does it mean to be saved? I remember a moment when I was uh, 14 years old and had a lot of young people from my local high school to come. I think there were 18 of them that came to the Lord out of my high school, were repented, were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Spirit. It was so life-changing for them. And, and uh, when they came, they stopped smoking weed and stopped drinking alcohol and they, they stopped partying. They stopped, doing, they stopped doing the things that they were doing. They stopped cussing and fornicating and all of these things and their lives were changed because of a conversion that had happened in their life. I remember one of the teachers made the statement. It so stirred the teachers. They would, some of the teachers would pull me out of the class because they knew these kids were going to the church that my dad pastored. They knew I was a preacher. They would pull me out of class and ask questions. One of the teachers made a statement. She said, many years I have seen Students come to church and say that they had been saved at a revival or at a, some church, church meeting or something. And they would come in and say, hey, teacher, I was saved this past week or I was saved over the summer. And she was grateful for that. She said, but many of them would go back into the same lifestyle that they were in before they were saved. She said, but something about these students that are going down to the Glen Ferris Apostolic Church 
She said, when they say they're saved, they're different. What is it? Because some doctrines only teach that salvation means to be saved from hell. I want you to understand here today that God did not come to save us from hell. It's not biblical. Is there a hell? Yes. Can you go to hell? Yes. The Bible talks about that if sin is found, the soul shall be cast into the lake of fire. I, I'm not debunking the fact that sin will put you into an eternal uh, damnation or eternal flames or eternal torment. I, I do believe in eternity and I do believe, of course, salvation. those that are saved go to heaven. But what I am saying to you is that salvation is not intended just to save you from the flames. The purpose of salvation wraps up in Matthew chapter 1 where it says that Jesus came to save us from our sins, from the things that are in us. Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present with me for sin is within my members. One thing all seven billion have in common on this planet is that we were all born sinners. Good at it. We're good at it. Sin is so natural for us to lie, to cheat, to steal, to put yourself before others, to, to, to become busy and to remove God out of your uh, conversation, remove God out of your plans and put him on the back burner because you've got to get things done to not go to the house of God because you're so busy. You've got things to do. You've got things to take care of. It's so natural to have sin, to put yourself before God. The Bible tells us that in the commandments is to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all your soul, your soul, and all of your mind. Amen. And to love your neighbor as yourself and put nothing before God. We understand God's commandment is that first the kingdom, seeking God first. How many of you would agree with me right now? It's easy to get out of balance. And I believe there's an awakening right now. Let me stop here and say to you, I do not believe that God did this to America. But I do believe that right now this COVID-19, God can use what's going on right now to stir us, to awaken us. I saw a prophecy the other day from a preacher from New York from many years ago. He said that a pestilence was going to come over North America. It was going to hit New York. It was going to shake the nation and that preachers would preach repentance. I believe that. And that's what I'm going to preach about today. I believe that God has shaken us to reevaluate what's most important. And I want to say to you today, where you spend eternity should be on your mind. If you died today, if your family member died today, where would I be tomorrow if I died tonight? Because we do believe that there is a life beyond this life. But back to my point is that what does it mean to be saved? It, I'm going to show you what it means. He gives us this word. Jesus preached it. John the Baptist prior to Jesus, he preached this word, this word called repent. I want everybody at home to say repent. Repent. Now I want you to use the word repentance. Repentance. I'm going to talk about that word for a few moments. What does it mean to repent? I already told you that he came to save us from what? Us. Our sins. That sinful nature. That, 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 that nature that chooses to do what we want over what God wants. and What we feel is good over what God feels is good for us. And uh, John the Baptist preached this message. And he would get up and preach, repent. Of course, then he would call them all vipers, you know. 
Could you imagine if I got up and called all of you a bunch of snakes? That wouldn't probably go over very well. But that's what John the Baptist preached. Camel's fur, locusts and honey. Repent! He would preach Jesus following him. He prepared the way of the Lord and Jesus came in at 30 years old and started preaching. You know what he preached? Repent! For you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13 and 3. Then in verse 5 he says, Repent! For ye shall all likewise perish. What is he saying is, you're going to perish like every sinner. If you don't repent as well, you're going to perish. What does it mean to repent? Jesus told them in Luke 24 and 47, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. He told his apostles, when you preach, you preach repentance. You preach it. You preach it, begin at Jerusalem, then from everywhere else, you preach repentance. I'm glad to tell you, 2,000 years later, we're still preaching repentance. We still believe it's powerful, that it's a part of the gospel. And uh, Simon Peter got up on the day of Pentecost, and he's talking about Jesus being crucified. He died, he was buried, and he was resurrected. And they said in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, they said when they were pricked in the heart, what shall we do. I want you to say this at home right now. What shall we do? What were they saying? What do I need to do to be saved? And he said in verse 38, then Peter said unto them, are you ready? Repent. He was obeying the commandment of Jesus Christ. Repent. What does it mean? Repent means to turn around. I preached it not too long ago here. You'll remember that. Somebody told me they had done a 360 degree turn. You know what that means? They just, they just went back down the same direction they were going. Probably a better analogy is, is uh, made a 180 degree turn. I have turned away from the direction I was going. That's what repent means. It means to turn. In the Old Testament, the word repent was to turn. I want you to say right now, to turn. To turn from what? To turn from your direction. To, to turn from the way you've been living to turn away from the things that you've been doing. doesn't matter how much you're attached to it, how much you like it, how long of a family tradition it is, it means you turn away. You're going this way, but you turn the opposite direction. That's what it means. When you begin to study the word repentance, repent, it's more than just, oh God, I'm sorry. Repentance is more than an apology. I've seen a lot of people that have apologized for things they've done and continue to do what they apologize for. Over the years, I've seen that. I wonder how God feels about them. We get to the altar. Oh, God, I've done it. I've been in this all my life. There's been many times I came down because I felt guilty. I disobeyed the Lord. I'd done something I, I didn't want to do. I, I shouldn't have done and get on my knees and say, Oh, God, Lord, I'm sorry, God, for the mistake I made. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because I knew if he came that day, I'd be lost, right? And so I felt guilty. I, I felt, uh, I didn't feel blameless. I felt blamed. I had made a mistake. And man, if the Lord came today, then I, I, I wouldn't want to miss it. So I'd repent. I'd find myself again, you know, back in the same situation, praying about the same thing. Oh, God, how many's ever done that? You get on your knees. It's me again, God. I'm sorry, God. It's me. I messed up again, God. I've done it again. Then again, then again, then again. You know what I found in my own life and other people that I've pastored over the years is they weren't repenting because they wanted to change. They were repenting because they didn't want to go to hell. 
They didn't want to be judged by God. And, and uh, I believe we need a fear of that. But I want you to understand that repentance, repentance is more than saying, God, I don't want to be lost. And I believe in that. But repentance, my friend, is when you, it's no longer just an apology. It's like a message I preached years ago, stirred but not changed. Stirred but not changed. You can study the priest Eli, how God came to him through a prophet and said, you need to get the sin out of your, out of your house. And he, he went down and talked about the situation. He said, this is what needs to be done, but he didn't do it. And God ended up replacing him. I don't want that in my life. I, I don't want to have in my heart things that God does not approve of. I don't want to just repent because I'm afraid of missing the rapture. And those watching today, if you've ever repented because of a fear of God, I'm happy about that. But I'm going to take it a little further here today. When you study the word repent, it actually means a change of mind. It does. When you begin to study the root word of repentance, it actually means this. It means to feel about things the way God feels about things. It's when your heart becomes one with God. You're not just saved, uh, um, saved from eternity. You are now saved from a mindset, saved from what you used to want to do, saved. Paul made a statement like this. He said, the things I used to love, I now hate, and the things I used to hate, I now love. What's he saying? I have been converted. My heart has been changed. Sure, I could go out and do whatever sinners do today. I could go out and participate, live the life they live, walk up and down the same roads they do and commit the sins they do. But you know what? I just don't want to. Why? Not because that wasn't in me at one point in my life, but because God saved me from that old, carnal, sinful nature that I was born with. I mean, you know that we were born sinners, but God came to save us from our sins. Amen, amen. I, I want you to lift your hands right now and say, thank you, God, that you have come to save me from all of my sins. You come to save me from all of my sins. I'm not what I used to be because Jesus saved me from my sins. It's amazing how many people I've watched in this church. If somehow we could get the video camera to pick up on the invisible things that have been left at this altar, it would be so amazing. You would find shackles and chains. You would find dirt and sins and old skeletons, if you will, things that people have carried for years of things they were doing in secret they couldn't get away from. But an old-fashioned altar, when they repented, God removed it from their life. He removed it from their soul. I want you to know today that you can be saved and have all of that stuff, gambling and lying and cheating and whatever it is, addiction and some type of fear element that you have in you, that insomnia is something that you're dealing with because of something you've never forgiven. I come to tell you, God can save you from it and would just say amen. What does it mean to be saved? He said in the scripture, he began to say things, say things like this uh, about repentance. He said in Matthew chapter three, 
and verse 8, he said, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. In Luke, Jesus said, 5 and 32, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Watch what it says in Acts 5 and 31. It says, he, he came to give repentance to them. Repentance is something that was given. We find uh, in Romans 11, 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, for godly sorrow, not just sorrow, for godly sorrow, worketh what? Worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. What does that mean? I mean, God starts stirring you. You start feeling uh, emotion about regret. I shouldn't say that anymore. I can't believe I've lived that. I can't believe I've done that. I'm not just talking about guilt. I'm talking about sorrowful. I wish I'd have never taken on that habit. I wish I'd have never done that. That's godly sorrow. What God is doing through the word, God is doing through his spirit coming near you is he is showing you things in your life that he does not approve of. It's called godly sorrow. I want you to say that right now, godly sorrow. I shouldn't have treated them that way. I shouldn't have said that. I, I shouldn't have held that grudge. I shouldn't have been vengeful. I, whatever it might be. I wish I'd have never gambled. I wish I'd have never cheated. I wish I'd have never lied. Stay with me because I'm going to tell you this thing's going to swing uplifting here in a moment. But I feel to deal with this. It's where you begin, again I'm saying, to feel about your life the way God feels about your life. And you say, oh God, I've been preaching before. I've even been there when my daddy was preaching and He's preaching the word of God and people start trembling and crying out, oh, from the seat, from the pew. They begin to cry out. I've watched them as they run to the altar. I've seen them as they repent, fall to their knees, down to the ground, praying to God because they want whatever they've done to be changed in their life. They do not want to be the person that they've been. I mean, remember that day. I can remember that day. I've been over an altar and I said, I don't want to be this anymore. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want things in my life that I shouldn't have in my life. And I'm so glad to tell you that he changed me. He gave me a desire to be in this house. He gave me a desire to be in his word. He gave me a desire to be righteous. He gave me a desire to be holy. Hey, I have great parents and I appreciate their example. They made me want to live better. But I'm going to tell you, salvation doesn't come from pedigree. Your salvation comes from Calvary. It's because Jesus died and he was buried and he was resurrected that he has given us hope today. I want you to say amen. Sometimes we don't realize how how miserable we were in sin. I, uh, I experienced something in the last few days that I'd only heard about with the hearing of the ear, but I'd never felt with the, the nerves of my body. I want to tell you something. Just a few days ago, five nights ago, I was awakened in the middle of the night with a pain that I've never experienced. And for the next four nights, I dealt with suffering and misery and something called a kidney stone. Let me tell you something. If you've never experienced that, I pray you never have to experience it. I, I would, and I saw in one study that men, men compare it to having a, uh, a child. But uh, 
I don't think any woman would ever give up that right that there's a pain greater than childbirth. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I told, I told Pastor Cody, I don't think you could have stabbed me a hundred times and it had been in worse pain. I was miserable. Let me tell you something. I was miserable. When I got set free from that, let me tell you something. I've never felt so better and never appreciated feeling painless as I did as when I finally come out of dealing with that kidney stone. I want you to know I'm, I'm glad to be here. This went on for the last four or five days and I'm pretty happy right now to be painless to say the least and I'm sure my wife is because I moaned and groaned for four nights in a row at the house and kept her awake and thank God for a good wife that tolerated me through that pain and for my good doctor, Dr. Kelso, that helped me work through this. Let me tell you something. If we're not careful, we will forget what it was like being in Egypt. We will forget what it was like the pain of sin and it can begin to pull us back to the things the Bible calls the pleasure of sin for a season. Remember this, when the pleasure of sin, the season of it is over, you end up in pain and suffering. I want you to know today that you might be living a life that you say, I, I wish I could get out of this. I'm so miserable. I'm so tired of the way I've been living. I'm so tired of the after effects of the choices and decisions I've made. I want you to know that deliverance is in your life. That all you have to do right now is begin to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. Oh God, I'm sorry for the life and the decisions I've made. I need to be saved. Somebody say, I need to be saved. He can. He can save you. He can deliver you. And he can set you free. Amen. I'm grateful today because of salvation that can come to all of us. What does it mean to be saved? There's a joy that comes. The Bible says a weeping may endure for a night. Maybe that's applicable to my situation. But joy is coming in the morning. I'm here to preach to you on this Sunday morning that weeping doesn't have to last forever. Joy is coming. You see, when God saves us, he gives us hope. Let's look at what it says. It says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance. What does that mean? I find this place and oh God, I need to be changed. I don't want to live this life no more. It goes on to tell us, it says that they can be renewed to repentance. In, in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 17 says, he sought for a place I want you to say right now, a place of repentance. A place of. Repentance is something that's been granted. Repentance is something that's been given. Repentance is something that you've been called to. And repentance is something that the Bible calls a place. What have you been called to? You've been called to a place where you feel about things the way God does. It is a moment. Even God gave Jezebel Revelation 2, a space in her life to repent. What does that mean? A place in her life where she could feel about things the way God felt about her life. It's a gift from God. We talk about the gift of the Holy Ghost and the gift of healing and the gifts of the Spirit, but how about the gift of repentance? It's a moment in your life, and all of those saved people right now, I'm not really preaching to you, I guess, uh, and I'm going to in just a minute, so you hang on here. But watch this. You need to pray that God would grant 
your friends and your family repentance. I really do believe right now that God is giving this nation a chance, an opportunity, a call to repentance. That's why at the anchor, we still have altar calls. Why? Because we're letting people respond to the call of repentance to their life. We're letting people take advantage of a moment where they have been granted repentance. So many people have come to this church and while I'm preaching, they feel repentance coming in their life and they say, oh, I'm a sinner. I want God to set me free. I want you to lift your hands right now and thank God for repentance. Would you do that? God, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for granting repentance to us unto life. Not just to say I'm sorry, but God, it's, it's a door that opens to godliness and a whole new life of joy and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be done in just a few moments, but I want you to hear this. Repentance again is feeling about things, what? The way God feels about things. Salvation is, a, is when you start feeling about things the way God feels about it. You'll see that the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. The devil came down to challenge this man named Job because he was blessed by God. And the Bible says he escheweth evil. That means he hates evil. He hates evil. The devil said if you take away his blessing, he'll curse you. Many of you that are watching, you know the story that, that all of his blessing was taken from him, but he still, he said, naked I came in the world and naked I'll leave this world, but blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord was his focus. And because God was his focus, guess what? He loved what God loved and he hated what God hated. To feel about things the way God does you will hate the things that God hates and you will love the things that God loves. I think it's a powerful point because true salvation is when you have repented of your sins and you have washed that past away through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ by being submerged in water and filling of the Holy Ghost. When God's Spirit comes into you and you become one with God all of a sudden, you don't want to be what you used to be. You want to follow his lead. And the Bible says the spirit of truth will lead and guide you unto all truth. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby from one step to another. You start a new life of feeling about life the way God feels about life. Brother Derek, won't you come to the organ as I close today? And I want to say to you that you begin to feel about things not just about sin, but about things the way God feels about things. How about you begin to long for the coming of the Lord? In 2 Peter chapter 3, let's look and see what it says. This second epistle, Beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. Verse 2 says, And of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this verse, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, 
that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day he's saying God's long suffering God's patience God's not moved by time he's not impatient by time one day with the Lord is as a thousand years he said he said there will be people that mock the coming of the Lord they're going to say, well, I've heard that preached for all my life and it hasn't happened yet. Remember this. The Lord, the next verse, is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. What does that mean? He's going to fulfill his word. He's coming. I want you to say right now, he is coming. The Lord is coming. He said in John 14 and 1, if you believe in God, believe also in me, for my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. What am I preaching? Is that the church knows he's coming. We feel during these times the way God feels about these times. Am I fearful right now with COVID-19? Absolutely not. Haven't had one moment's fear. That doesn't make me careless either. But you know what? I don't fear the times. I'm not fearing the economy. I'm not all shaken up, worried about what's the next thing going to happen. No, I'm going to tell you what I know is this church was built upon a rock and it's not going to be shaken down by some storm or by some situation. Jesus said, up on this rock, I have built my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, no attack is going to remove my church. There's no COVID-19 that's going to overturn the church. Let me tell you what's going to happen in this church. The church is going to be the church. It's going to be the light in the dark hour. It is. It's going to be a strength in a weakened times. We're not fretting, Brother Derek. We're not fretting, Brother Nehemiah. We're not fretting, Cindy, that's watching from home right now. We're not fretting the times. Oh, no. The church has never been more powerful. The church has never been more mobilized. I come to tell you, it's going to be all right. Would you clap your hands right now at home and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. So if I feel about things the way God feels about things, if God's not nervous, then I'm not nervous. If God's not fearful, then I'm not fearful. If truly being saved means to feel about things the way God does, That means if God's excited to come back and get his bride, then the bride should be excited to be joined with the groom. So if there's ever been an hour to get happy, it's this hour because God's happy about this hour. How many of you know he's going to descend from heaven with a shout and the trump of the archangel is going to sound? You know what I believe that means? It's rejoicing time. It's not time to fear the coming of the Lord. It's time to look forward to the coming of the Lord. It's harvest time. There's going to be more. I want you to shout at your home. It's harvest time. Never been an hour like this hour. 
God has shaken this country. He has shaken this world. There's something happening right now all over North America. There are millions, 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 millions right now that are listening to the gospel. There are millions of people in North America that's going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be hundreds of thousands of people that are going to be divinely healed because in that day, he said, I'm going to pour my spirit upon all flesh in Joel 2. And he said, and those that shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. I come to tell you, you're one. I need you, Jesus, away from a miracle. Lift your hands and say, Jesus, Jesus, come on in your home. If you need a healing of cancer, say, Jesus. If you need a healing of diabetes, say, Jesus. If you need a healing of degenerative, de degenerative disc, shout, Jesus. If you need healing of Crohn's disease, shout Jesus. Because whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be delivered, and shall be healed. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that for those who are watching by way of the web would be healed. God, we never, we've never lived in such momentous times. Yes, I understand that people are suffering with the disease. So I pray for those right now that have COVID-19 all over the country. I pray for divine healing. I pray for Brother Hernandez right now. Give him divine healing. I pray for Brother Townsley right now. God, give him divine healing. I pray for that young boy, Brother Little Caffrey, to be healed. Not dealing with COVID-19, but something else. But God, heal his body. They've been praying right now. I pray for those watching by way of the web. You can send a prayer request in. I'm telling you, God's not fearful, and I'm not fearful. God can work a miracle in your life right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just take a moment to thank him for his word. Because what it means to be saved, it means to be faithful. What it means to be saved, it means to not be fearful. What it means to be saved, it means to be joyous and righteous and holy and pure. For God is altogether lovely. Listen, God has not collapsed. God's not wringing his hands. He's not up there thinking about what am I going to do. He knows exactly what he's going to do. His word remains the same. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be, shall be delivered shall be saved. Would you do that? Take a moment and do that. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Lord, all of those that are watching that have repented, oh God, and need to be baptized, I pray their heart would be stirred to get baptized. Lord, those that have been baptized but need to be filled with the Spirit, I pray they would be filled with your Spirit right at home. Come on, turn your home into a prayer meeting right now. Why don't you rejoice at home right now? I've got a feeling Everything's going to be all right. Yes, I do. I just have a feeling God's going to work it all out. Come on, if he brings you to it, he's going to take you through it. It's not over till it's over. God is working in your life right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and say, I thank you for my health. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
That old song says, victory is mine. Oh, victory is mine. Victory today is mine. For I told Satan to get me behind. Oh, victory today is mine. Sing it with me today. singing just before during praise and worship. The reign of the Lord is here. The blessing of God is upon us. You say, I don't have an elder to lay hands on us. I want you to lay hands on your family right now. Join with them in prayer. We're going to go to a moment of prayer right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Oh, glory. I feel the Lord moving in our lives. He's the anchor of the soul. He's never changing. He's ever, ever healing. He's ever alive. He's always on the throne. And the Lord is in control today. Amen. Let's worship together. Sovereign. 
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.